I married her on my birthday 33 years ago. It was a great birthday present, and I've never forgotten my anniversary, and it's really helped a lot. Guys, it's good to be with you. It's good to be with you guys who are, uh, who are watching via YouTube, uh, whether it's this morning or some other time. Uh, it's just good to be with believers and hopefully to be with people who are looking forward to hearing God speak to your heart. Now, that's the reason I'm here. That's the reason Pastor Ronnie steps into this pulpit every single Sunday. Uh, it's not for his benefit, though preachers do love to preach. <laughs> but it's, it's for, for the kingdom's benefit. And that's my prayer, is that, um, that the Holy Spirit would come and work both here on the platform and work in the pews, work at home, right where you're seated. And do you change us? Do you need to be changed? Do you need to be changed? I'm going to ask again, do you need to be changed? I don't know about you, but I'm not all that God wants me to be. You know, my wife, you can go ahead, Susan, and say amen. Yeah. Um, and she's been working on me for 33 years, and I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there when Jesus comes. But um, these are odd times. And this is, this is Susan and I's first time back all the way through Sunday morning. We've been very, very careful uh, just because of, of health issues. And um, there is a pedal down here in front of me, Clark, and I just started it, so it's doing something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no telling what. Um, but uh, uh, so it's an interesting experience for us. I'm a preacher, and itinerant preachers, you need to pray for itinerant preachers. We don't need their like to disappear. We need itinerant preachers. But right now, uh, itinerant preachers are really suffering because they're not being able to itinerantly preach. And, um, and so I have not gotten to preach very much. And so it's just exciting to be here. Um, yesterday I, I turned 55 too. Some people, they hear it's my birthday and want to know which one it is. It's 55. Here's what that means. I now qualify to get a free senior drink at the Chick-fil-A on Wyoming. <laughs> that, that's all it means. That's, that's really it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I can get a lemonade for free. Um, I want to encourage you with a couple of things before I jump in. Remember the mission, even in these unusual times. Remember the mission and pursue it. And, and remember to pray and do it. And remember to worship and learn and grow all on your own. Never stop it. If you and I neglect those things, we'll wander into politics and philosophies. We'll wander into anger and intolerance, into hating and despising people, into favoritism, into apathy, and into unfruitfulness. It'll take us off course. If we neglect those things, they are so, so important, we'll no longer be uh, an embassy for the kingdom of God. We'll no longer offer to the world a, a moral center. And we'll no longer be a soul-saving station and a lighthouse in a world of darkness. If we neglect those things, 
then we will become what has happened to some others. We'll become a cold, hollow religious organization. And we'll no longer be recognizable as God's people, his children, people who have something God has given them that can never, ever be taken away. Amen? Amen? Now, you're going to have to work with me here. There's only a few of you, and if you don't amen, I'll amen myself. So remember the mission and pursue it. Remember to pray and to do it. And remember to, to worship and learn and grow all on your own and never stop doing those things. Would you pray with me this morning? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you into this place. And Father, we humble ourselves before you. We come right now before the living and active Word of God. Father, we come with with a sense of awe and trembling into your presence. We have just worshipped you. We've talked about how, how worthy you are of all the things that we mentioned in our music. We've talked and sung about your holiness and how you're the only one, the only God, the only one who saves. Father, I pray that during this time we come before your word. That you'll work right here in the pulpit and you'll work in these pews and you'll work in the homes that are watching right now. And by your spirit, you'd help your word to be spoken well and heard well. Father, help the preacher and help the listeners. Father, my heart goes out right now to my brothers and sisters and and others who who are lost but in, in trauma and Beirut and the difficulty that's going on there. Father, I pray that in the midst of that agony and difficulty, you would draw hearts to you. Father, I pray that you'd stir up our world, you'd stir up your people to help them in this moment of need, in this moment of tragedy. Father, we agonize with them in their pain. Help us to know what you want us to do. Father, we pay, pray for Pastor Pastor Ronnie and for Kathy and for their family. Father, we ask your blessings upon them where they're having this time away. Father, we pray right now that they would know your presence and your pleasure in them. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray for revival in our lives. We ask you for spiritual awakening among the lost. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be ready to respond even to this scripture that we look at today. Help us to be your people. We pray this in the sweet and holy name of Jesus. Would you say that name with me? Jesus. Lord God, it's in that name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you take your Bible in your hand and open it this morning to to John chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 66 through 69. I'm going to talk about the ones who stay, the ones who stay. You're going to hear the word stay a lot this morning. I hope you'll remember that. And we're going to invite you this morning in a time of response to nail down being one who stays. And if you've already got that nailed down, you can help others be those who stay. This is a very uh, appropriate word for the church, Jesus spoke these words in this scripture today to his closest of followers. And so if you'd wonder why that we would look at this kind of scripture and preach it to the church, to those who are faithful, 
Oh, the real reason is because Jesus did. Amen? Amen. And so that's why we're doing it. And the takeaway today is going to be this. As saints who stay with Jesus are selective, focused, and experienced. When we get done, I hope that'll make sense to you. Those words will, will have some, some fresh meaning in and amongst them. Uh, but I want to start by, uh, by basically telling a story to help you know that your spiritual decisions, your spiritual decisions today matter. Uh, there's a place that's off of the coast of North Carolina, about 34 miles out into the ocean. I've gotten enamored with it. I've kept up with it. They have webcams up out there. They have webcams out on the lighthouse tower. They have webcams down under the water strapped to the leg of the lighthouse. And, and I like to watch the fish and I like to watch the ocean. And I like to keep up with what they're doing. Frying Pan Station was built in the 60s. It's built on an oil derrick style platform and it sits on the end of frying pan shoals. Years ago, before the global positioning system, ships didn't know where hazards were and ships would run aground on the shoals. Large ships that, that had a draft of more than 50 feet would come to the shoals and they would run aground because 34 miles off the coast, frying pan tower sits in 50 feet of water. And, and, and eventually, after having a light boat out there for years in the 60s, they built Frying Pan Station. And the Coast Guard manned it for years until, uh, until in the 70s they decided to decommission it. Uh, other, other technologies were taken over. And it sat for years, rusting away 35 miles off the coast, until finally our government decided they could sell it and make money off of it. And uh, they put it up for bid, and two people bid on it. Uh, one couldn't come through, and another guy who just bid on it as a joke won it. And he ended up with Frying Pan Tower. He ended up owning a lighthouse 34 miles off the coast, and this is it. It stands on its legs out there in the ocean all by itself. You can't see land. It's actually outside the United States limit, so it sits in international waters. And so it is like a nation unto itself. But for years, and for years men manned that lighthouse to warn ships from the shoals. And its lighthouse shone a light to say, stay away. And one of the men who was stationed there was named Arch Embler. He served 16 months out there on the station. He was a, an engine man. He maintained the, the three diesel generators they had. After the station had been closed down, it was opened briefly as a bed and breakfast, a pricey one, but they filled up their schedule because everybody wanted to go stay at Frying Pan Station. And there was a guest book that people could sign. And Mr. Embler had the opportunity to go stay where he was stationed. And he wrote this in the guest book out there at Frying Pan Station. I want you to look at where it is. And you wouldn't think much could happen out there in the middle of the ocean. But listen to what he wrote. As maybe the only person in this journal to have served in the frying pan of the Coast Guard era, it means so much to get back to this place. Not only is this a unique place in all the world, but a light also in my own life. 
I came here assigned in early 1974 to this duty station as an EM3. That's an engine man, petty officer, third class to maintain the three diesel generators. I also came here as a 23-year-old human searching for truth and meaning. A friend from high school had a life-changing experience and had explained to me that he had believed in Jesus and his life had changed. I wanted to read the Bible at frying pan and decide for myself whether it could be true. I did. I came to the conclusion after reading Luke and John that God truly did communicate with humanity through the written word and had atoned for our sins. I believed in Jesus here at Frying Pan in August 1974, and the path of my life changed. It was as if light filled every corner of my life. And because of that, I went to the university that I did, where I met my wife, who is precious to me, still after 34 years. It seems every good thing in my life today is because of the direction change made at Frying Pan, where the light penetrated the darkness. I just want you to know that your spiritual decisions matter. Whatever situation you're in, whatever you face, whatever God speaks to you, say yes to him. Those decisions matter. With the the seriousness of spiritual decisions in mind, I want you to take your attention and focus it on John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69. This is a piece of a story. It says this, you'll find words similar to these in your translation of Scripture. As a result of this, verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And Jesus said, therefore, to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Just a piece of the story. We're going to walk through the story in a minute. But what do you do with stories, with narratives? Turn over in your Bible, just a few pages over, to 1 Corinthians and chapter 10. I want to read you what Paul said when he was looking at stories and telling stories from the Old Testament. It helps us know how we should address a narrative, a story in the New Testament. It's easy to know how to handle teaching material, but when we run into stories, sometimes people wonder, what do we do with this? Well, let's see what Paul did. In chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, first in verse 6, he's telling some stories about what happened to Israel, stories out of the Old Testament. And in verse 6, he says this, Now these things happened as examples for us, that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. And then in verse 11, he says this again, Now these things happened, and he says this, to them as an example. There it is again. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Guys, we can only guess, since it was the end of the ages then, that we are in the last throes of the ends of the ages. Amen? I mean, uh, soon soon has been going on for a long time since Jesus said, I'm coming soon. And so it's going to be probably sooner rather than later. 
But what Paul did is he looked at this and he, he learned, he tried to take examples. He tried to take examples and learn from them so that he would know how to walk, so that he would know how to long for the correct things, so that he would be able to, to follow Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do with this passage of Scripture. Verse 66 starts out and it says this. It says, as a result of this... It'd be good to know what this is. So we need a quick tour through chapter 6 so we can know the stories that we're talking about this morning. And so in verses 1 through 14 of chapter 6, and Jesus on a, on a mountainside fed the 5,000. He fed them with, with five loaves and two fish. And they were small fish and small loaves. And Jesus did a miracle. He, he demonstrated his power. In verse 15 of that chapter, Jesus withdraws to be alone. Because he sees that the crowd has ambitions that are not ambitions that he has. In verses 16 through 21, after his disciples have gotten in the boat, and, and it says they've rowed about three to four miles out into the Sea of Galilee, they look up. And here comes Jesus walking. Guys, I've always loved this. To illustrate this, one time I had two, two young kids, um, and two young kids suddenly appear in the baptistry. And what we had done to make it look good is I had had them, had some of our deacons build a platform that you couldn't see it. It was right below the surface of the water. And when we got to this story and it talked about Jesus walking on water, I said, how many of you have ever seen People walk on water. No one had. I said, let me show you. And I stepped back and I pointed up there. And right that time, these two boys just got out and they started prancing around on that platform, splashing in the water, and then walked off. And everybody was like, and I had to tell them what we'd done because I want you to know, no one expected the power of God to come on those two young men. Uh, They just thought it was a great thing to be able to step in water in the baptistry in the middle of worship service. But they saw Jesus walking on the water. They had just seen him feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And then they saw Jesus come walking on the water. Can you imagine what they're seeing of Jesus? What they're thinking about Jesus? Say that name with me. Jesus. They're thinking about him. The stories go on. And you see, in verses 22 through 25, we find out what was happening where Jesus had just left. There may have been a big crowd when Jesus fed the 5,000, but in verses 22 through 25, we see that the crowd was still gathering. There were actually more people who came out that next day when Jesus was gone. How many preachers do you know who see the crowd coming and leave? <laughs> I guess if you could walk on water, you might be motivated to do that too. But people were still gathering. And then in verses 26 through 40, Jesus has gone to Capernaum. Jesus has gone there and the people are still looking for them and they come and, and, and they, they ask him where he, where he was and how he got here because they didn't see him get into any boat and he didn't tell him I strolled over. And what he did is he began to talk to him. And this is where we have the bread of life dialogue. First, he has this dialogue with the multitude. And that's verses 26 through 40. And then in verse 41, the Jewish leaders have begun to grumble because of what they hear. And so he has the whole bread of life dialogue then with them. 
And finally, in verses 66 through 65, because of what he said about he is the bread of life, some of the the followers that had been following him around began to, to grumble. They began to say these are difficult sayings. These are hard sayings. These were difficult things to fathom and to understand. And they begin to grumble. Look at verses 6 through 65. It says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then, if you should behold the Son of Man ascending where he was before? Is, is it the Spirit who gives life? Or it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirits and are life. But there's some of you who do not believe. If you jump down to 20, uh, 66, where we begin this morning, it says as a result of this, as, as a result of all of these things, as a result of these miracles that have been going on, and, and then Jesus saying these hard things and the grumbling, it says as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. They found what he said to be difficult and challenging, and, and so they left, they went away. That's what this is as a result of this. They've been grumbling after all those great things. It says that they were no longer walking with him. And, and we need to understand that very clearly in verse 66. Because we use the term walking with God in a different way. We don't mean here just spiritual fellowship. The actual word is treading around with him. It means putting your feet on the ground and walking around. They were walking around with Jesus. There was a great crowd that followed Jesus. That's what happened and how those 5,000 people got out there when Jesus fed them. And that's how those people ended up back in Capernaum looking for him because there were people who, as, as Jesus was teaching, They would just walk around with him. They would walk through the countryside. They would watch him do miracle after miracle, and it was intriguing. And so he would start going somewhere else, and they would follow him there. They were walking around with Jesus. They were literally walking with him and following him physically. And what it says is they stopped doing that. And so Jesus lost many people out of this great crowd. Uh, when that happens in verse 67, Jesus asked the, the 12, his closest followers, he asked them this question. And followers of Jesus need to hear this today. He asked this question, it's the critical question, you do not want to go away also, do you? It's aimed carefully at those closest to him, the ones who are actually most likely to stay. I don't know if you've watched the news, if you've seen how many, how many leaders, how many well-known Christian leaders have decided in, in recent days and in the last couple of years that they don't really believe all of this stuff that they grew up believing. And they've turned away from the faith. Some have walked away from it into, into lifestyles of wickedness. Evil has overtaken them. They were among the group that you and I would have said they are the least likely to go astray. 
sitting here in this room and maybe listening at home, some of you could end up facing challenges sometime where you hear something and, and your heart starts to grumble and you struggle with, you struggle with, uh, this is, this is difficult. You say that in your heart. And what has happened is those who have fallen away, however you want to say that, whatever that means, they have stopped following Jesus. Whatever, whatever's happened to them, they came to a place where those doubts overtook them. And that's why we're in this passage today. Jesus asked, and he knows what Simon Peter is going to answer because he's Jesus. So he draws it out. He doesn't need to ask for the answer to this question. Doesn't it say right up in verse 64, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Jesus already knows, so he doesn't ask this question to discover the answer. He asked this answer, this question to, to draw out the answer from Simon Peter. So the rest of the 12 could hear it, so you and I could hear it today. And he says, you do not want to go away, and that, that go away, that want to go away talks about a desire or, a, or an intention. And go away actually is a word that describes a final departure. One who, who ceases to be the companion of another person. They, they cut it off. It's over. This isn't a temporary leaving. And this is a total abandonment. And so we could paraphrase that question. It could sound like this. Are you considering walking away from the faith? Are you considering walking away from following Jesus? Well, not long before, some would have said, not me. And they're in that group. And today, there are some who would not many months ago have said, not me. But they find themselves among that group. It's happening more and more. It breaks my heart. And so, how do you know if you're one of the ones who stay? Isn't that the question? How do you know? And that's what the passage is really about. How do you answer those questions And Simon Peter responds and he describes three characteristics of the ones who stay. And I want to walk through those quickly. The first characteristic is found in verse 68. Christians who stay with Jesus have faith with a single source. With a single source. And and the Ten Commandments, God said this, you shall have no other gods before me. Peter himself would react to religious leaders later in Acts chapter 4. And he said this, there is salvation and no one else for there is no other name. He's talking about the name of Jesus Christ. No other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is nowhere else to go. And that's what they believe. There, There are no other options that are considered. And so this first characteristic is, is that, is that spiritually there is a single source. There is no one, none other. There is one God. There is one path to God and his name is Jesus Christ. There are not many paths up the mountain. There is one way. And Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus alone. They have a faith with a single source. That's the first characteristic. And the second characteristic 
Christians who stay with Jesus have a faith that seeks eternal life. I want you to look at this. He says this, you, in verse 68, you have words of eternal life. The words of eternal life. The reason that's significant is because they're looking for eternal life. That's so important. There are some people who come to Christianity because the way it's preached and what they're looking for is they're looking for uh, for wealth and for things to get better. Some people come to Christianity and they come to Jesus because they're in pain physically. They have ailments. And what they want in Christianity is they want to be healed so they can live in greater comfort. There's all kinds of reasons people come to Christianity, but the ones who stay, the ones who stay have a faith that seeks eternal life. That's what they're after. They may get healed and they'll give glory to God. They may receive some kind of blessing from him where they turn out financially better off and they give glory to God. And you see in all of their lives how they live for him and how how life is all about him because what they seek is not those things. They seek eternal life. And only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Years ago in the 70s, some of you will remember this. I was young then. but, um, But real cream butter had been replaced with whipped oil. Do you know what I mean? As margarine, we've gotten used to it now. It's a terrible thing. Real butter is good, guys. Just, just have to say that. Uh, it really is the real thing. Real cream butter. Uh, but there is, a, you know, whipped oil and other fake stuff and everything. And 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 there was this thing in the seventies called chiffon margarine. Anybody remember chiffon margarine? Yeah, you remember that. And uh, there was this saying that went with it, and it's advertising. When you think it's butter, um, but it's not. It's chiffon. Yeah. And in the commercials, there was this lady who was the figure of Mother Nature. And she'd taste it, and she thought it was butter. And she'd say, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Some people come, and and they're looking for the wrong thing in Christianity. They're not seeking eternal life. And they think it's something else. And they find out that it's not. And because they're not seeking eternal life, they begin to grumble. The ones who stay want the real thing. Fakes won't do. They stay with Jesus because Jesus has the actual words of eternal life. And it's because he has the word become flesh. Guys, this is an old quest. I love this. Garland, Garland um, when he did uh, Wednesday night... He shared this. This is just absolutely amazing. In Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about this in verses 9 and 10. Listen to this. This is Abraham. This is really way before the New Testament, guys, okay? And this is way, way back there. This is before you have the law and all that. Uh, Verse 9 of chapter 11 in Hebrews. By faith he lived, this is Abraham, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the fellow heirs of the same promise. Listen to this. For he was looking for the city. This is Abraham in the Old Testament. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. We see that city, New Jerusalem, coming down in Revelation. Abraham was looking for that. It goes on and 
And it, and it talks about how Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah, all of them, all those ancient characters in the Bible, they were all on this quest. Christians who stay with Jesus have a faith that seeks eternal life. They're focused on that thing. They're not just selective. They're focused. The third characteristic is this. We have believed, it says in verse 69, and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. There's an and in the middle of that. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Christians who, who stay with Jesus have a faith that exceeds belief. Let me explain to you what I mean because there's some, some wordsmithing we have to do here. Uh, I'm an editor, and so I love words. And so you can barely see it at home if you're watching it. It's uh, on a TV or on a tablet or something, and, and this thing is only a speck. But I have this little blue bag here. And if I say this, inside this little blue bag is a watch, and you can do two things. You can presume or you can assume. You can assume that there is a watch in there or you can presume that there is a watch in there. And which would be correct? Well, actually, you can assume that there is a watch in there because assume means you come to a conclusion with no evidence. Presume means you come to a conclusion because you've seen some evidence. Have you seen a watch? Have you seen me put anything into this bag? You see, that makes a difference. There actually is a watch in this bag, and so I actually do know uh, what time it is. I just thought I'd share that with you. Um, <laughs> and, and so and so wordsmithing is going on here between believed and know. Um, believe means here someone who heard a message, and without evidence yet, they accepted it by faith, and they believed that it was true. But they didn't stay there. It says we believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. They believed in Jesus because of who he claimed to be. But then they walked with Jesus. I mean, they physically walked with Jesus. And as they walked with him, they saw him do these works. They saw him feed the, the 5,000. They saw him heal people. Uh, they, they, they saw him walk on water. And Simon says, Simon says, we have believed and have come to know that you are the one of God, the Holy One of God. And so he has a, a faith that exceeds belief. They have evidence from experience, and that makes the difference for them. They've walked with Jesus. They have trusted him. They've followed his words. They've watched him do all of these things. Uh, they, they saw all these miracles, and they put those claims together with his life. And now they have something that exceeds belief. They know that 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 Jesus is the Holy One of God. Now listen, if you don't have these things nailed down, you're in danger. These characteristics matter. They matter a whole lot. Christians who stay with Jesus, their faith has a single source. That means they're selective. Their faith uh, that seeks eternal life, that means they're focused. And they have a faith that exceeds belief. That means they're experienced. And they've gone out there, they've walked, they put themselves on the line with Jesus, and they know. They are selective, focused, and experienced. Uh, there's a story that I, I ran into, and 
Uh, it touched my heart because I've, I've ridden this trolley. I think we have a picture right there. I've ridden a trolley just like that in New Orleans, going to the, uh, the art museum there. It also goes to the zoo. Here's the story. I'll read it to you as I found it. On their way back to Georgia from South Texas, Jeff and his family stopped in New Orleans. It's a true story. The city has one of the country's oldest trolleys, which carries visitors to the zoo, and it looked like a great idea. So the whole family, mom, dad, and two children jumped on. Jeff, dad, assumed the role of sufficient and dependable leader. He watched his map, looked for landmarks, and told the family when to jump off the trolley. But as they rose to get off, the driver looked right at him and shook his head. And he said, you're going to the zoo, right? And Jeff nodded and offered a feeble yes. Next stop, the driver said. And then, then he, Jeff wrote this about the story. Sometimes we lean on our own maps and fail to consult the source of true authority about what we should do with our lives. Listen, sometimes we'll hear God asking us the same question that that trolley driver asked Jeff. It's the same question that Jesus asked his closest followers. You're not going to get off here, are you? That's what Jesus was asking. That's the same as you don't want to go away also, do you? And when when Jesus asked that question, he's telling you, you need to stay Don't get off. Don't go away. Trust him. You need to be one of the ones who stays. And so that's my plea to you today. To consider that and think about those things. The takeaway this morning is this. Saints who stay with Jesus are selective, focused, and experienced. Those things matter. This morning, I'm going to ask you to respond to Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your mind. We all come from different places. You can respond at home. You can respond here in the room. In just a minute, uh, Andy is going to come up here and and he's going to stand in the front. And I'm going to ask you if God is speaking to your heart to come speak to him. We always want you to come if God is drawing you to this church family or if God is speaking to your heart to become one of his followers to begin with. But But I want you to think about some other things this morning. I want you to think about the question, will you be one of the ones who stay? Will you listen to the trolley driver who says, not here, don't get off? And so I'm going to ask you if this morning you need to get selective and you need to stop looking around at other options and lock in on Jesus alone. And you need to settle the question, he's the only one. Uh, Perhaps this morning you need to forsake all else, all the other pursuits that you could have in your spiritual life and seek eternal life alone and let that change you. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to focus. Or maybe you need to test your faith so it grows your belief beyond belief into knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. That Jesus really is the Holy One of God. If you need to this morning, you can come up to Andy and you can just say, Hey, I need to be more selective. I I need to get locked in on Jesus. Would you pray for me? Or you may need to come this morning and you may need to say, I I want to, I want to be focused. I want to, I want to be more focused. Or this morning you may come and you may say, It's time for me to test my faith. I need to, to step out and really trust. And so I want to ask you, I want to ask you to do those things. And this morning, if you're at home, if you're at home, you can respond too. 
I'd love to tell you how I remember this number, but it's 505-384-7771. If I told you, you'd all remember that number all the time. But that's the number. You can text that number. And remember that keyword stay. We've talked about it all morning. You can even do it here if you don't feel comfortable coming forward. You can even text it from this room. Text stay to 505-384-7771. 